Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong. And I'm DJ, coming over from Jumbo Commander. That's right. And we are wrapping it up today. We are finishing off Modern Horizons 2. All of the cards that we are analyzing for the 99 legendary creatures will come in time. There are a lot of great cards in this set, right, DJ? That's right. And if you're interested in seeing the white cards, the black cards, the multicolored cards, the blue cards, the artifacts... Those are all in previous episodes. Today, we're talking about green and red cards. Yeah. There's some good ones in here. Gruel. Uh, <laughs> and to, of course, play these cards, you're going to need these cards. So head on over to cardking.com slash command zone. If you'd like to purchase any cards for yourself, that's our affiliate link. Just type it into your browser, your phone, hit that go button. Is there a go button on the, the go computer? button? Yeah, the go button. And then once you've hit the go button and you're on the uh, HTML page, <laughs> you can just browse the store like normal and buy all of your single sealed magic product, everything that you're going to need. There are so many great cards these days. In fact, there's so many cards. I'm still trying to collect all of the Strixhaven mystical art archives modern horizons 2 is here we have the cool alt arts pick it up at cardcam.com slash command zone and while you're there get some ultra pro products or go to your local game store and get some ultra pro products support them as we all come out of this pandemic and those stores are going to be hurting and bringing a life back to those stories is going to be better when you have a cool playmat to play your cards on final way to support the show is directly at patreon uh every single week we shout out a special patron and this week's episode is dedicated, dedicated to, to tristan, tristan sprouls tristan you rock rock you Rock, rock, rock. All right, so like DJ said, white, black, and multicolored is episode 401. White gets two potential staples, and I go nuts over a certain black card. Uh, the blue and colorless review is episode 402. We had a contender for one of the best swords in Commander. And that and, land. That and, land. Oh, yeah, that land. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that land. I'm just thinking about it again. And finally, now we are at 403. This is red and green in the 99. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk about the Commanders at some point as well. Uh, there are a lot of interesting choices here for that. Um, and let's just, I guess, get right into it. Let's start with the red cards. That's right. Starting off, we have Brea's Apprentice. Two and a red for a 2-3 artifact creature human artificer. When Brea's Apprentice enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying. You can tap, sacrifice an artifact, choose one. Exile the top card of your library until end of turn. Until at the end of your next turn, you may play that card. Uh, target creature, or this is the other one, target creature gets plus two plus O oh until end of turn. Okay, so you can pump something, or more importantly, it looks like you can do some cool uh, red type card draw, impulsive draw, where you're exiling top card of your library, and notably, it's you may play that card, so if it's a land, you can play it. Always good to see play rather than cast on these kinds of cards. Yep. Um, I think that we can compare this to sort of like PNLR. Yep, uh, PNLR also enters the battlefield with a 1-1 color slopter and has two activated abilities, but does need to tap. You can do one in a red to give an artifact plus one, plus O oh for a creature, or you can pay one to sack an artifact and target creature can't block this turn. Yeah, uh, but PNLR, um, not expensive, 35 cents, and not played a lot, you know, 1,500 X in artifact strategy, so kind of weak. So Bray's Apprentice isn't an upgrade over PNLR, even though the bodies appear to be the same. Yeah, I think so. Impulsive draw, especially if you're in a red deck and you don't have other ways of getting card advantage, really. Uh, Impulsive draw is one of the ways that red has to do it these days. My question is, are you going to just play Outpost Siege instead because you get a free exile every turn off the top of your library and you can cast that card? That seems pretty good. Yeah, it's I, four feel, mana. I feel like we're not stretched for draw anymore, for impulsive draw anymore, right? right? Like, So I feel like uh, Brea's Apprentice might 
be a little bit weaker. Maybe you need it for the artifact bodies. You want two artifact bodies. Right, that's I mean, nice. The other thing that I'm thinking of too is that it's, it's a downside that it's a tap to yeah. be able to do this. Having just a sacrifice outlet could be quite good. Sometimes you want to sacrifice your own stuff and having a tap on this means that it's slow. You can't do it the turn it comes into play because uh, of summoning sickness. And also you can only do it once without a lot of shenanigans. You know? Yeah, I think this maybe would have been a little more powerful if they said sacrifice an artifact, choose one, only do this once a turn. So you don't Ooh. need to tap it, but you can't just sit there and sack 10 artifacts, exile 10 Actually, I would right? love that because it's until your next turn and then you can sacrifice it. Never mind. We're, we're talking about a card that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. That's this right. Card is, this card is fine and you'll play it in some, uh, you know, of your commander decks. I but I played in Brea, obviously. That would yeah. make sense there. I mean, just... Why is Bray's apprentice red? Is she going to have an apprentice in like all the colors? Oh, that'd, that'd be, be interesting. Cool. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that note online. Maybe she's going to have a white, blue, and black apprentice as well. I would play cool. all of those. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be sweet to have the full four of them. Um, you know, if you're going to play two in a red for a body and you want two bodies coming with it, play Thopter Engineer. This card is super underrated. It gives you a 1-1 one, one Thopter when he comes in the battlefield. And it says artifact creatures you control have haste. I know. That right? is a cool card. That seems just as good, if not, I don't Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, if, if you're really hurting for card draw and you're playing Brea's Apprentice in a four-color deck with Brea, then maybe you're not building your deck right. So Ooh, this, might just, be, right this might just be like the like the very specific red artifact decks that it works in. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll toss some shade. I'll toss a Thopter and it'll provide some shade. All right. Next up, we have Calibrated Blast. Two in a red for an instant. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. When you reveal a non-land card this way, Calibrated Blast deals damage equal to that card's mana value to any target. And this also has flashback on this, so when it's in the graveyard, you can pay three red, red to cast it, and then you exile it out of your graveyard. So this is a card, you reveal cards, let's say you reveal a Relentless Rats off the top, it's going to deal two damage to any target, and then you shuffle, or you put all those cards randomly on the bottom of your library. Yeah, the situation you described does not sound good in Commander. I do not want to deal <laughs> no. two damage for three mana at instant speed. Yeah, it could be Demonic Tutor, too. it could be a lot of different cards that are two CMC. This card, I don't think is great. So here's the thing, I... All of those downsides, like the floor on this is obviously bad because you're running Soul Ring in your deck. Yep. You know, you're, hopefully your curve is around three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that should be around, that includes land. So hopefully it's around, you know, three or four or five or something like that. Okay. That's not, that's not something I like. I mean, maybe there are decks out there that really appreciate direct damage, like Fire Song and Sunspeaker. Yeah. Or you Neheb, Neheb really yeah. likes some direct damage. So there might be some direct damage decks out there, but just as removal, I want my removal to kill the things reliably. Yeah. I think this is a card that has a fun idea, but similar to Bray's Apprentice, a couple of things just don't work the way that I would want it to personally. One, you don't get the card. It's two in a red, and then you put all those cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you don't get to do any sort of like interesting bottom of the deck manipulation. Maybe oh, you're yeah. playing a Grenzo. Or if they went into the graveyard, that'd be better too, because yeah. this has flashback on it. And if you're playing this in the head, you probably don't want to play it because you're playing a lot of X spells, and those have low CMCs or mana values. Oh, you're X, right. Red, red. And it's like, ah, not great. Okay. So I don't know. Like three different things of this card don't work for me. I like that it has flashback. Um, maybe in a deck with top deck manipulation, you can play it with that new brainstone that allows any color deck to now have a brainstorm effect. Yeah, but you think about how many you want this to do. How much damage do you want this to do? I mean, more than more than six, right? More than three, that's for yeah, sure. More than, more than three. I actually think more than six. Yeah, like fiery six. confluence or like 
some of these other ones like feel like you need to get a really good value out of it. Fire so, and Confluence, by the way, is two red red, and it does a thousand different things. I know. So calibrate and it does blast six to each opponent too. Yeah, exactly. And it can kill. It can wipe the board usually. Uh, so I don't know. Calibrate blast is calibrated to not be so good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whoever named it was like, that's not, that's why. I didn't well, it's name it very, like that. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Obsidian Charma. Three red, red for a 4 4 dragon. This spell costs one less to cast for each land your opponents control that can, that could produce a colorless mana. Okay. It has flying, it's a dragon. Mm -hmm. And then when Obsidian Charma enters the battlefield, destroy target non basic land an opponent controls. Nice. So this is almost always going to cost at three mana, I think. Like, I think so too. I think it's. Quite often, I think just two red mana. I think I think that if you are curving out with this, it'll cost three or four pretty reliably. Yeah. But then later in the game as a top deck, like you got a two mana four four for sure. Two mana four four flyer is actually pretty relevant. It's something that can block and attack really efficiently. And the effect of destroying a target non-basic land is in fact, I think every single deck needs to run these days. I, I think so, too. And, uh, you know, we have cards like Goblin Settlers, which is, by the way, expensive. We have mm. Avalanche Riders, which doesn't give you the body you're looking for. Uh, and so those are cards that are pretty played. And Obsidian Charma can just has a better body, can be cast cheap, cheaper. Yeah. It seems to, like, outperform these other land destruction cards on a lot of different levels. Now, this is not designed to, to mana screw people. You know, I think that's the new design that Wizards has not to be able to just take out your basic land or something like that or, or play it so quickly that it keeps you from being off of your lands. So right. I actually like that in terms of a mechanical thing. Like, I'm not trying to mana screw you. I'm trying yeah. to get rid of your guy's cradle. And I think if you are running a dragon deck, this is like one of those staple dragons you want to put in because it's got a great ETB ability. Mm -hmm. And again, non-basic land destruction, there is going to almost always be a land, I think, in most like semi-powerful tables that is doing a lot of work. Yeah. And people are going to look at it and go like, man, that's, that's wow, that land is killing it. That Cabal Coffers that someone popped. That Urza Saga. That Urza Saga. That taps for, that that taps for colorless Gaia's that makes it Cradle, cheaper. The Phyrexian Tower, right? Oh. There's tons of different lands out there that do have value. The Tower of the Magistrate, get out of there. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of good reasons to run this, even if you're in a deck that doesn't care about dragons. It could just be red, red, blow up a land, get a 4-4 flyer. Great. If your deck needs any, if your deck likes any of those, that any part of that sentence, <laughs> consider running it in your red deck. All right, next up we got Chef's Kiss. Mwah. Uh, this is Asmo on the Marlika Dyson. Cool the car. Asmo. Asmo's good. Asmo, yeah, Asmo's very nice. All right, so <laughs> Chef's Kiss is one red red for an instant. Gain control of target spell that targets only a single permanent or player. Copy it, then reselect the targets at random for the spell and the copy. The new targets can't be you or a permanent you control. Okay, there's a lot of text here. So this is specifically able to target spells that only target a single permanent or player. So a lightning bolt to the face is a single spell targeting a single player. A path to exile on a single creature is the similar thing. This doesn't target a spell on the stack. This doesn't target a spell that targets multiple things. It has to be targeting only a single permanent. And then you copy it. So you cast it again, and then you reselect targets at random for the, the original spell and the copy, but they're random. So you get, it goes two different ways. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's pretty interesting, I think. Um, so it feels like a counter spell, you know, because I think that the most obvious case scenario is that I'm trying to 
kill your creature. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sorted, like, I'm trying to get rid of something. Just yeah. get rid of it. Right. Uh, and then you're like, no, I'm going to protect. I'm going to sort of counter that ability, but then I'm going to just kind of wreak havoc on other parts of the table. Um, the randomness means that you don't have complete control of it. It's not like a redirect or like a deflecting SWAT or something like that, right. uh, that you have other times, but sometimes in red, it doesn't matter. It's just protection from you and you don't care where it goes, you know? Yeah. So if it was a path that was targeting creature, you'd have to select new legal targets for it. This is going to be a bit of a nightmare because let's say there are 13. Well, just imagine you said vindicate a second ago, right? Right. So oh, right. vindicate includes... can hit any permanent, which yeah. includes lands. So you have so to you... count up everything on the board and select one at random somehow. Get some, get, get your phone out. You probably, like, yeah, you need to get a phone and you need to sit there and count every permanent and then know what order you count them in and then enter it into your phone and go like, all right, between one and 37, what number is going to come up and then count it again and figure out that one. All right, now do it again for the second spell. Mm -hmm. But this was only creatures, so only count the creatures and then do this. So Chef's Kiss is kind of a nightmare to resolve. Yeah, I think it's going to be annoying, especially with cards like the Vindicate you mentioned, like Beast Within that can hit anything. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Chaos Warp will be funny. Yep. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's going to be interesting if you do play this, but you're right. It's kind of like a red counter spell and it's not expensive to cast. It's one red, red. I think that if you have things that you know you want to protect, uh, this can be another way to protect your board. One thing that is yeah. a little bit, uh, makes me feel a little bit bad though, is that you need to have legal targets. So let's say that you play your commander and you're the commander's the only creature on the battlefield, you know, and someone goes to path to exile it. You can't chef's kiss that because there's no there's no way to reselect that uh path to exile oh i see interesting yes so that is very interesting so you kind of have to have a fuller board for this to work yeah you, by the way this is something that you might want to wait for wizards of the coast to confirm this kind of stuff because a lot of yeah. judges are arguing about the term reselect it's actually really funny to go online and like have people try to understand exactly what chef's kiss does it's those little corner cases in magic that are really exciting. yeah the word reselect is different than what it used to be you wrote a great point which is how often you play wild ricochet which is two yeah. red red for an instant and it says you may choose new targets for target instant or sorcery spell then copy that spell you may choose new targets for the copy it doesn't have the word reselect in there anywhere yeah but wild ricochet might have more use cases like say someone's targeting themselves with a draw spell ah. wild ricochet can sort of let you steal that and then copy it and take advantage of that you right. have more control over what's going on chef's kiss could interrupt that card draw as well because it is you know a spell that targets targets only a single target or player but then Seems you don't get there. those cards you like you just like have those cards randomly going around right right actually you know in mean? fact if someone did target themselves with the draw spell and you chef's kissed it this spell chef's kiss says the new targets can't be you or a permanent you can yeah, so so. they could just go back to two other players or something like that so like that use yeah. case scenario doesn't really work yeah chef's kiss is definitely an interesting spell i think because of how narrow it can be and also how complicated it is we're we're not going to see much of this you're, yeah, so you're going to see the wild ricochet type effects much much more yeah i was really excited about it and being one full mana cheaper is is good yeah and so i think that i'll play this in uh maybe political decks not uh, not political decks per se more but maybe chaos like chaos yeah. sort of wild decks because those effects can be really fun and i think sometimes it can be fun to be like all right you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go let's get the dice out let's figure yeah. out what's dying and so just that could be, be prepared cool. to resolve it yeah, exactly okay all right next up we have an interesting uncommon enchantment called flame blitz it is a single red mana for an enchantment that reads at the beginning of your end step flame blitz deals five damage to each planeswalker hmm. okay. and it has it has cycling for two 
Okay, not bad. Uh, so this is interesting. This uh, goodbye, Super Friends. It's got it's got to just destroy Super Friends, right? It's an enchantment. It sticks around on the battlefield. You play it, and it immediately. Does five damage to all of them. That's a lot. Yeah. And then most planeswalkers would just, by the way, die the moment Flame Blitz hits the table, and then no one was ever going to be able to play another one again. It's just going to do it at <laughs> the end of every turn. It's just going to like your turn. Kill. Yeah, yeah, your turns. Yeah. It's so cheap. It's one red mana that prevents all the planeswalkers from being out there. And then the I think best that, part it says cycling too. Yeah, you just cycle. If there's no planeswalkers, you just cycle it away. Yeah. Because I think even by itself, if this just red destroy one target planeswalker for one red mana, mm-hmm. you would play it. Um, as long as you're not running planeswalkers because someone has one out, you can't swing in for them. Like oftentimes people now play planeswalkers with a little bit of protection. So it's hard to get in for damage. One flame blitz, one red mana to get rid of it. Almost assuredly. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, I'm actually a little bit annoyed that this exists because it hoses. (laughs) It really does hose planeswalker decks so badly. You have one. I do have a planeswalker deck. Yeah. Do you have one? No, but I'm putting Flame Blitz in my new deck. No! No, I do have a Super Friends deck as well, and Flame Blitz is one of those cards, you know, obviously it has to be on their turn. They have to have it. They haven't cycled it away. But it is a it is a it is just a single card that destroys an entire archetype. Yeah. Pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's cool. I'm just wondering if... <laughs> I'm just wondering if... It's very good. I'm just wondering if a lot of people are going to include it just because, oh yeah, it's a good card. Like even right. even when there's no Planeswalker decks in your meta. It's going to be hard. I mean, I'm always pressed to get my card list down to 100 cards every single time I build a deck. Yeah. And unless my friends are constantly running Planeswalkers or I just have issues with it, or maybe my deck is just one that doesn't have creatures so it can't get rid of Planeswalkers and it likes the cycling yeah. ability, then yeah, I could play a Flame Blitz. I could see it. I could see it, especially in like my Asmo deck because you're trying to discard cards to cast Asmo and cycling is a discard of a card. So yeah, I can see that too. I think that it'd be interesting to just keep conscious in your mind. Like, okay, like I'm playing commander now. How many planeswalkers am I seeing? Right. You know what I mean? And just kind of like be aware of your meta and figure out how big of a problem planeswalkers are. Because yeah, because the planeswalkers might not be, just a not be a problem at all. Yeah, they yeah. just play a card and they're like, this is just to draw me cards and it goes down to zero loyalty. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, one one Narset activation that then dies from a creature. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Next up, we have the uh, the red Fury Evoke Cycle. So it's called Fury. The other ones all have single, like, emotional names, like Subtlety. Grief. Grief. Good grief. This one is Fury. Three red red for a 3-3 three, three creature elemental incarnation. It has double strike. And when Fury enters the battlefield, it deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers. And of course, like the other cards in the evoke cycle, you can evoke this card and play it by exiling a red card from your hand. So technically, you can cast this for zero mana if you have a another red card in your hand. You, you exile it and Fury comes onto the battlefield evoked. Note, it, note it doesn't have flash like some of the others, so not at instant speed. So yeah. this is not like a... It doesn't reach that same uh, level as Solitude that you could do it at instant speed. Yep. Whereas this one, it has to be sort of on your turn. Yep. This is a five mana, three, three double strike as a creature, which is a good body. Yeah, it's a good body for sure. I don't think it's as relevant in Commander. I think the double strike is more relevant than a lot of the other things like uh, um, flying is pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) It's more relevant than than vigilance, I think. Um, The real question is, is how many things is this going to kill when you play it in your playgroup? So it's four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers. Probably creatures. 
Um, there are always one toughness creatures around, so you can definitely kill at least one I think of those. one and a half things. Yeah, one and a half to two things. I think if you get two things, you're really happy. Um, but, and, but for the most of the part, I think you're going to get either one thing or two things. Very rarely are you going to get three things out of this. Yeah, and sometimes you'll get none things, too. One of the reasons that damage is so tough in red is because their removal is based on dealing damage to stuff. And it doesn't get to just say destroy target creature. It's destroy this creature if their toughness happens to match up with how much damage you can do to it. So Fury, I think, is actually not as amazing in Commander, but it is still going to be a decent card, and it will do work when you play it. Yeah, like this coming onto the battlefield and killing an Eternal Witness and a Mold Drifter is fine, but like those cards already got their value. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think that a lot of times the smaller utility creatures that we have are are gaining their value just by entering the battlefield yeah. and not necessarily, like having them stick around doesn't matter. So you you can't be like, okay, well, I took out those two creatures. It's like, well, you know. You yeah. took out part of their three for one or part of their two for one. You know I always I mean? use like Oracle of Moldai as a good example. Oh man, I would love or to take out Oracle of Moldai. Seed, uh, Seedborn Muse, right? So like, I think Th- uh, Fury, you're going to want to play this in decks that can really actually maximize its damage. And so you had a great point here. You know, it's an odd number card. So Obosh the Prey Piercer likes it. Good. Uh, Torbrin, Thane of Red Fell. If you're just trying to do damage, Fury seems like a very good card in oh, that deck. Oh man, it's red. It has double strike. Actually, like if you can play into the fact that it does have double strike, uh, that then you can sort of make it bigger you can make the body more relevant because the four damage is is not it's not as relevant right yeah so you need to be using the body too and so decks like that tor brand deck maybe like xenagos god of rebels to be able to like pump it up really big and deal that damage it gives it trample as well so double strike damage with trample is very good especially if this thing becomes like a, a seven three or whatever you know be very hard to block and they'll be taking a lot of damage from it um I think that uh, people aren't going to be tricked by this, um, by evoking this as often because you have to do it on your turn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they're going to see that like, oh, if I two for one myself to take out two permanents of my opponents that are small creatures, it's like, am I really getting the trade off I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll probably end up casting Fury a lot. And in a tight spot, let's say you just need to clear a blocker out of the way with your Xenagos deck, then evoking it, getting that huge damage in is going to be worth it. Yeah, like you mentioned, I might two for one myself to get rid of your Oracle Moldiah. Yeah, or I'll two for one for myself if I can then know I'll swing in for like 15 damage or 16 damage and just do a ton to you, yeah. All right, next we have Harmonic Prodigy. One and a red for a 1-3 human wizard with prowess. Uh, If an ability of a shaman or another wizard you control triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. Okay, so this is Shaman Harmonicon, Wizard Harmonicon. Um, <laughs> Doubling up things is always po- powerful. Yeah. Like we know that getting twice as much out of your other cards that you want to play anyways are good. This is just narrow. Wizards, Shaman. Yeah, and it needs to specifically be an ability triggering on that creature mm. uh, as opposed to something like Kiki-Jiki, which is a Shaman, but has an activated ability. So Harmonic Prodigy, doesn't, those two don't synchronize very well yeah, there. Not triggered. Or um, basically an ability of a Shaman. It's of the Shaman or the Wizard, so it's not like uh, the creature entering the battlefield causes uh, Perforce to trigger, something like that. Oh, I see, yeah. Because uh, there are things that double up all the triggers, you know what I mean? And this is a very narrow ability. Yeah, I like, you wrote down Judith the Scourge Diva, seems like a, pr- a great place for this, um, which says whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith does does one damage to any target. So Judith does the damage, she yeah. is a Shaman. That happening twice seems pretty good. Anala, um, Arc 
Archmage Ritualist, uh, Naban, Dean of Iteration, uh, uh, Adelise, the Cinderwind. Right. All of these are are wizards, and they're legendary wizards that you know um, that basically do something similar to that. They either value the the wizards enter the battlefield effects, or they double it up themselves. Like, yeah. They're just solid wizard cards. I think that if you're playing wizards deck. You give this a try, and you see how many you know abilities you get out of it. Yeah, look at, look through your deck, look at your wizards, see which ones have abilities that trigger. Um, otherwise, you need a lot of wizards. Yeah, I mean, generally the wizards decks are running mostly wizards. Now, maybe this works really well in a changeling deck that has a lot of Ooh. changelings that have triggered abilities, but I don't even know if that uh, that's a thing. I would like someone to research that for me. Yeah, Shaman Tribal, though, you also wrote down what, what might be fun. Karavik the Merciless with the uh, Harmonic Prodigy out. That is, a, that, that is such a good one. I love it so much. Okay, let's right. move on to the glimpse of tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's a sorcery with suspend for three. So this is in the suspend cycle. Again, you're trading time for mana because you're paying red, red now. And in three turns, it's going to be able to give you cast for no mana. So let's see how powerful this ability is. Shuffle all permanents you own into your library, then reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put all non-aura permanent cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then do the same for aura cards, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So permanents are the ones that are coming back. If you flip in instant or sorcery, those are going to go back onto the bottom of your library. If you have aura enchantments, those will come on after your permanents enter so they can still enchant something. Um, this is interesting. It's pretty big. It's Warp World, right? It's, it is Warp World. It is only Warp World for you rather than Warp World for the entire table. Oh. Uh, I don't know if that... I actually like that more because sometimes yeah, Warp World feels like an exhausting exercise for everyone. And also someone might just get bonked after it and be like, I flipped no lands and a couple of bad things. I have spells, I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm, I got I'm a spells deck. Yeah, and exactly. Then, yeah, and it does kind of become a, a, a card that's that randomly in someone's game rather than something that you planned out. So I don't, I don't like just that effect, but the idea that you can build your deck to take advantage of glimpse of tomorrow or your own personal warp world sounds cool. Yeah. And the great Aurora is a, a one of our original preview cards in the command zone does a very similar thing. This does not cost that much, right? It's yeah. red, red to spend three. And maybe in that time period, what you're trying to do is just put as many permanents on the battlefield as possible. Absolutely. Like the warp world was eight mana value with the great Aurora is nine mana value. Yeah. Uh, this does not even compare to those as well. Like you suspend this on two or even three or four, three turns later, you do not have nine mana. Yeah, and then the question is, does your deck want to do that with seven permanents on the battlefield? Especially if you run the risk of not flipping over lands, or you flip over more <laughs> spells than creatures and permanents. Yeah, I think you so, want a lot of permanents, right? In this yeah. kind of deck. And I think you want a lot of permanents that put more permanents onto the battlefield. Uh, something like, uh, I don't know, a Siege Gang Commander? Oh, okay. That's, that's five bodies. Five mana, five bodies. Glimpse of Tomorrow will get you five real permanents. Yeah, yeah. That's like... Even if that's five lands, if that's five utility creatures, that is a great deal. Yeah, if you're playing a Krenko deck, now, if you've made a thousand Gods. goblins, maybe you're just winning because of that. But imagine, you know, flipping 30 goblins into your deck <laughs> and then shuffling up. I mean, we've talked about this goblin a couple times, Dockside Extortionist. Oh, yeah. Very, that's... very expensive card. But, like, you know that you can generate a ton of treasures. Like, we've talked about treasure generation and clue generation and food yeah. generation over and over again. And it feels like you could just have a stack of these artifacts on the battlefield. What if you turn them into real cards? My judgment, though, is that suspend three and the fact that you, right, like, you, this people see this coming from a mile away. If they board wipe before you get to the end of your suspend. You're down a card and then you are taking the chance of your lands yeah. like becoming, I mean, what if, what if you, this was just your lands? Uh, 
yeah, I like that. That'd be interesting because let's say you don't need your lands anymore. You've got your board set up. But again, suspend three gives everyone three turns to see what, what's trying to happen. And I mean, again, someone might just incidentally board wipe or, or play a Vandal Blast or play a whatever that gets rid of all your stuff. But what if, it, what if it's fine? Like all your stuff gets gone. They, okay. they basically, they use a bunch of resources to get rid of a bunch of tokens and bad stuff. So that's like, or not bad stuff, but not really worth a card, okay. you know? Uh, and they've you've used real cards to do that. And then you warp, warp world, you glimpse of tomorrow, just your mana base, just like six lands. I don't think that's great. Cause what about your hand? Let's say you have cards in your hand. You need to play that costs five, six mana. And then you only flip two lands off of this thing. You're absolutely right. And it could definitely, you're out of luck. They could definitely put you out of luck, but kiddo. you could flip into something, kiddo. <laughs> but you could also flip into something. I know. Here's the thing. If you, you, you could flip, flip it, you could flip into something good, but then you have a deck that's built to put like with siege game commander and put in a bunch of tokens and right. a bunch of other small things on the battlefield. Odds are you're going to hit more of those things. Yeah, so I think you have to really build around this. If you're the kind of person that plays Warp World, then maybe you're the kind of person that wants to have a glimpse of tomorrow. As I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try it in a deck or two. I would love to see it and let me know and let the world know how it works out. Uh, all right, those are the red cards. What do we think? Uh, yeah, I'm not really thrilled about the red cards. Even I actually think that the best card on there is the the flame blitz really? and it's an uncommon <laughs> i like obsidian charma just it's land destruction oh uh, yeah you're right that's um, a good one too. maybe harmonic prodigy will see a lot of play down the line in certain decks but yeah it's not it's not great yeah it's not a very deep color uh and even the cards that are on there like i, I agree that charma is good but it's like yeah it's just blow, blow up your land kind of thing it's, it's not, not something exciting to me it's not esper sentinel Okay. I'm judging everything. You by know, I'm excited about glimpse of tomorrow. That's 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 okay. good. I'll do. Well, it. I'm going to try and do a glimpse of tomorrow and see whether or not you're succeeding with it. <laughs> oh, oh, you took a big risk, DJ. It did not turn out in your favor. Actually, who knows? I can't glimpse tomorrow, so let us know how it works. Okay, when we come back, though, we're going to talk about all the cards in green as well as a few extras that are multicolored uh, but have green as one of the primary colors. So don't go anywhere. And here are something from our mid-roll sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Modern Horizons 2 time, and we are talking about the red and green cards in the 99. Red didn't impress us very much. No. Hopefully green can do that. I don't know. Green, I is, don't know. green, green has been me. like historically not that <laughs> great. Yeah, green is like one of the worst colors in magic. They never <laughs> give it any Commander, favors. are you kidding me? Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll see. Let's start off. 
with, with a common with a common abundant harvest uh one green for a sorcery choose land or non-land reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of the chosen kind put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order hmm okay interesting so a big shout out to abundance which is an enchantment that does this but for every card you draw you can choose that and then draw that into your hand this is fun uh, you this are is guaranteed a, to draw a card off of this. Yeah, this is just, and draw the thing that you want. This is just a little baby cantrip. If you like, like, preordain and ponder and things like that, maybe mostly preordained or mm-hmm. stuff like that, then uh, you will like this because it basically helps fix you when you need to be fixed. It gets you the land that you need or it gets you the spell that you need. Honestly, um, it's it, this will probably be a staple in a lot of decks. Yeah, I could see this being very easily played, especially if you just, right, like let's say you are a lands matter deck, but at a certain point you want to stop drawing land or you need to draw that landfall card. Abundant Harvest for the low, low cost of just a green mana is going to guarantee that you hit that thing on your next draw when you cast this. So it this smooths is, everything out. It does like it smooth just your makes draw your, out, yeah. Honestly, this is the type of card that makes your commander games better because yeah. like it prevents, it prevents flood and screw. And those are two ways to really like not enjoy yourself. And yep. so people need to play more of these cards. And if you are super like, like if you're really in one about min maxing, like you can reduce your land count with enough cards like Abundant Harvest because it insulates you from uh, a little screen. bit. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't recommend it. Lands are my enemy. Um, but a lot of people don't play Abundance because it's a four mana enchantment. It takes a while to get down and you have to wait to draw a card for the trigger. Re- it doesn't replace itself. Uh, it replaces your draw step. Right, so like right. you need to get enough value by saying non-land when you basically when there's a land on top and you say non-land, that's when it kind of replaces itself. Yeah. This cantrip immediately replaces itself with a real card and the card that you want. Yeah. So I could see this game played a lot. It's a, just a very solid common. Be on the lookout for it. All right. Next up, we have the evoke card. But for green, this one is called Endurance. One green green for a three, four creature elemental incarnation. This one does have flash and it also has reach. And it says when endurance enters the battlefield up to one target player puts all the cards from their graveyard on the bottom of their library in a random order. And of course, like all the other ones, you can evoke this card and play it for free by exiling a green card from your hand. Okay, this is a little better than the red one for sure, I think, because graveyard hate is pretty important. Yeah, Graveyard Hate is important. I I do think that uh, the body on this is clearly the best. Three mana, three, four, reach, flash. Yeah. Like, this is ambush material right here. Uh, But you're less likely to ambush people in our format versus other ones where, you know, flashing this in at three mana and getting a creature death uh, could be really good. Um, And you can do this in response very specifically to someone saying, I'm going to do this from my graveyard or I'm going to cast this mm -hmm. reap and get all these cards back and be like, no, 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 you're not. Whereas a card like Bajukabog, which is sort of seen as the typical catch all graveyard hoser doesn't come in until it's your turn and you can play a land. So instant speed is important here. The fact that it's just one green green makes it a lot easier to cast than Fury, which is like three red red. So you may not need to even evoke this all the time. Yeah, hopefully you don't because you really need to like you really need to interrupt someone yeah. pretty substantially to to want to get rid of this and another card. 
I mean, and at the same time, if you pass the turn and you are holding up this mana at the end of your turn, the, the, when it comes back to you, you've done nothing and haven't cast it, you probably just end up casting this and choosing a graveyard that's going to get affected because you can't sure. sit around with graveyard hate and wait for someone to give you the perfect opportunity to, to hose them. Yeah. So this is one of those cards where I think it's it's good. It, if you already have a few sources of graveyard hate that synergize well with your deck, you may not need it. But if you're in mono green or if you're in a green deck that just needs this and you like the body as well and maybe you want the, the blocker, it, having, it, having a reach is actually, I think, pretty significant again stops you from like getting pecked away at by little one ones that are flying which seem to be everywhere in the format these days yeah i'm i think it's fine i'm not super excited about the graveyard uh interaction on this i prefer stuff that takes out all the graveyards or things that actively uh keep you from getting stuff in the graveyard because those shut down those graveyard decks a little bit more apparently in cedh this is being seen as a potential stopper against thassa's oracle because you can stop them from so in the in the i can see that in the right meta this just becomes game winning right right it's you know they're trying to empty their library with thassa's oracle and now endurance comes in and shuffles it back onto into their library and apparently some Yeeson lists run Loaming Shaman for the same effect. So you could also Yeeson into oh, this yeah. as well. Okay, so basically this feels super powerful in a very narrow amount of ways. So I can yeah. definitely see others a lot of play. Thassa's Oracle, like you got me with that one. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, All right. moving on. Next up we have Chatterstorm, one green for a common sorcery that says created one, one green squirrel token, creature token. Ah. Storm. Storm. So when you cast a spell, <laughs> copy it for each spell cast before this turn. If before I cast a Chatterstorm, I cast a Soul Ring and then Chatterstorm, I would make two copies of it because it's first and second. Um, interesting. So Chatterstorm is unfortunately a sorcery, but this is a way to get a bunch of squirrels on the token. It could be a green storm finisher. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that's, here's the thing. You need a lot of spells to have this be a finisher. Like we've seen with things like empty the Warrens, that, mm-hmm. like, you need a lot of spells in commander to be able to get this wide enough, big enough to be able to go off. I think that you need to play this if you're happy getting five squirrels. Okay. Yeah, that seems fine. That's a lot of hoops. Five squirrels. Are you kidding me? That's three. That's like four spells, four in this spells one? in that one. That's yeah, hard. That is really hard. Yeah. So the fact that this isn't an instant as well means you can't cast it on someone else's end step after they've cast a few spells. So you're going to have to use this yourself, but look, this, the, the squirrel decks got a lot of love this set. And this is one of those cards that can definitely at least pump out three squirrels, I think on. The yeah. Entry. And honestly, if you're running a squirrel deck, you're going to run the squirrel cards. Uh, speaking of which, yep. The next one is chitter spitter. This is two in the green for an artifact. I can't believe the squirrels built this. How smart. <laughs> they're, be- they're pretty brilliant squirrels. Yeah, amazing. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may sacrifice a token. If you do, put an acorn counter on Cheddar Spitter. Squirrels you control get plus one, plus one for each acorn counter on Cheddar Spitter. You can also pay a green and tap this artifact to create a 1-1 one, one green squirrel creature token. Okay, so on your upkeep, you can sacrifice a token. Could be anything. Could be a clue token, a treasure token, or a squirrel token, or a spirit, whatever. You get an acorn counter, and then if you have a squirrel out, it gets lorded. It gets bumped up. Wow. So lords, lords are great. You know, we this definitely has some upkeep that you have to keep working on it, and you need to have something else to synergize with it. Because Still is a may ability, so you don't have to do it. Which yeah, nice. but you want to. You yes. want to get this. Like you want a lot of. By the way, do you go out and get acorns to like put on this to keep track? Uh, I should like real you know, acorns. We we had little little acorns for the last time. I think Olivia played a squirrel deck, and so there's somewhere sitting around the set. 
so definitely yeah, like little you need little little acorns yeah, on there. if you're making the squirrel deck you, you should be probably be going all out um, by the way there are other squirrel synergies in this so if you are playing a squirrel deck just look at all the squirrels because there's like yeah. squirrel sovereign in here that's a squirrel lord and you don't need us to tell you that these cards are good in squirrel decks yeah. and that's where i think that this belongs um it there's a little bit of play that it could have uh outside of squirrel decks just because it's its own its own engine but it's a pretty weak engine in my opinion yeah, I think like, look, you're you're going to want to have a bunch of squirrels out. If you have proliferate in your deck, maybe that's really good because you can add up the acorn counters. But you don't, you know, in a token deck, I could see this as a lower powered token producer because at the very least you can make squirrels and maybe they're two twos and three threes and they get bigger and bigger and you can sacrifice your useless one one that doesn't do anything for these little, little squirrels that are going to keep getting buffer and buffer. But I mean, we've seen uh, Imperious Perfect in uh, Elf decks mm -hmm. do something really similar and be very good in Elf decks. And so I think that this will be very good in Squirrel decks. Yeah. I mean, this is, I feel like, one of the biggest auto-includes for Squirrel decks at this point. Absolutely. So if you're, if you're doing it, pay attention. Congrats. All right. Here. Next up, we have another one of our Suspend Cycle. It might be one of the more powerful ones. It's mm -hmm. Gaia's Will. It has no casting cost, but you can suspend it for four turns for only a single green mana. Four turns. Four turns is the is highest a lot. suspend yet. Yeah. Until end of turn, you may play lands and cast spells from your graveyard. Oh. If a card would be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, uh, exile that card instead. Okay. So this is a card called Yogmoth's Will, which Yogmoth's is Will. pretty expensive, but it's two and a black instead of green. It's uh, over $300. It's in 9,000 decks, considered a CEDH staple. It's on the reserve list, all that stuff. This is Guy's Will is suspend four, though. Okay. So let's look at why Yogg's Will is powerful, and then let's find out if Guy's Will does the same thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yogg's Will can be, sorry, I'm going to abbreviate it to Yogg's Will because yep. we're going to be talking about it a lot. Uh, Yogg's Will can be used in combo decks really heavily because you can, it lets you play your most critical spells twice. Yep. Uh, a lot of times in singleton formats, you want to be able to get those cards back again. Um, sometimes you can play other powerful spells like Lion's Eye Diamond because your graveyard becomes your entire hand again. Yeah. So sometimes it opens up other strategies too. You can replay uh, the Lion's Eye Diamond after yeah. you sacrificed it. You have your dark rituals. You have ways, once you have cast that yogs well you're going to be able to get a lot of mana yes so you have ways to generate mana you have ways to just basically open up the opportunity for single big turns because you have access to your entire graveyard mm -hmm. over again and that's where we see Yogg's Will being really powerful is in those single big turns. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times it opens up a, a lot of options to be able to win the game right there. Because you expanded your hand size to everything in your graveyard. And if you're casting it in this in your deck, odds are it's something your deck wants to do. Yeah. Um, so Guy that's how, well, however. Yeah, that's how Yogg's Will is usually used. Um, people do play value Yogg's Will, though. I mean, just to get like a couple of extra spells, three mana, play a land, play a spell. Sure. Maybe another is one. That, but is that the powerful way to use Yogswell? No. And if you're, I mean, Yogswell is, has such a price, high price point because it is one of those cards that says, I'm going to win the game this turn. If I'm able to resolve this guys, well with suspend four, I think it's just way too long to wait for this. And you're going to be playing it as a value guy as well. Most of the time, or someone's going to look at you and go, that card is terrifying. I'm afraid you're going to win. I'm going to try and remove you. So you can't cast it. Yeah. So the fact that this, that the way that people use Yogg's will is to win the game means that people are going to be frightened of guy as well. 
like right. super frightened. Uh, and the fact that people can see it coming uh, means that they can interrupt with your graveyard. I mean, like yep. they could just shuffle your graveyard back into your library. They can do things to you, like kill you in that amount of time. Or just counter the guy's will when it comes down because they know it's coming in four turns unless four you can get rid turns. of the counter somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So like as as a win the game engine, this is not great unless you're cheating it into play. Uh, it could actually be good as just a value like thing. Like basically if, if people weren't scared of this, if it was just one mana in four turns, I get a cool regrowth and play a land from the battlefield. I would actually play that. But I think the downside of people being frightened of the powerful nature of the spell is does not balance out the value you get from yeah. two or three spells from it. And you can't draw this on turn seven or eight and play it and hope to cast it oh, typically. No games are way. Be over by 10 or 11 that we've seen on average. And so that's another big dig against all of these suspend cards. Yeah, so. only good in the early game. Way too telegraphed. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to one of the more exciting cards of the set. I'm excited. It's Sanctum We. One in a green for a 0-2 enchantment creature dryad. You can tap it to add X mana of any one color where X is the number of enchantments you control. All right. So shout out to Sarah's Sanctum, where the Sanctum Weaver is presumably from. Oh my gosh. Which and- is an extremely <laughs> expensive land now. It's on the reserve list. It's in 4,000 decks because it adds, it's the guy's cradle, but for enchantments. $380 yeah, was- for that land. It's crazy. But now you have a mana dork that does it for you. Yay. And it's an enchantment itself. So oh, every, yeah. So it automatically is going to tap for one no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because it's an enchantment that counts itself. But also, it's going to trigger all of your other enchantment stuff. You're going to be able to search it out for, with enchantment search effects. It's going to count like other things too. So you play it and it triggers your enchantresses. Right. You know, you protect it with your Sterling Grove and stuff like that. Like it's amazing. And if you're in an enchantment deck, this is a new staple. You can't not include it. It's fantastic. This is an absolute staple in any enchantment deck, even if you're only getting three, four mana out of this because you just have enchantments. Only three or four mana on a two drop. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty solid. This is one of those cards I think is, is, it's a great chance to get a Sarah Sanctum effect without needing to you know go broke doing so. So I, I, I actually like this quite a bit. By the way, if you ever uh, have creatures that produce more than three mana, a lot of times there's infinite combo potential with that. Right. You know, there's equipment that lets you untap it for three mana, yeah, then you yeah, tap yeah. it again and you generate infinite mana. So that's something to keep in mind. We're not minimizing that, but this can just, it's just a great dork. Yep. It is of any one color, so that it also can tap for all five of the colors. So I know, it just works. fixes you, too. Yeah, so it just it seems like a really solid card. We There's not much else to say about it other than it's good. Okay, next up, we're back in Squirrel World. It's Scurry Oak. Um, two and a green for a one-two creature tree folk with Evolve. So whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has a greater power or toughness than this creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. So it's a one-two. And and then also says, whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on Scurry Oak, you may create a one-one green squirrel creature token. All right. So if you bring a two-two on the battlefield, the two is higher than the power. It gets plus one, plus one counter. Scurry Oak becomes a two-three. And one or more counters were put on it you create a 1-1 green squirrel creature token by the way that play pattern is is pretty good actually like three mana two three comes with a 1-1 body Mm -hmm. and all you have to do is just play another creature after it that is actually fine but 
we can see that a lot of combo potential becomes unlocked with this. We have cards like Ivy Lane Denison, where whenever a green creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can put a plus one plus one counter wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put it on the Scurry Oak. It creates a green creature. It triggers uh-huh. Ivy Lane Denison to get a put a plus one plus one counter. I'm going to put it on Scurry Oak. Cathar's uh, Crusade, putting plus one plus one counters all over the place, and the creature enters, and then you're going to put a plus one plus one counter all over the place. Very nice. By the way, it has evolve on it, and so if you put in big enough creatures, it'll keep triggering it. Right. You can also make the squirrel that you put that it itself puts in big enough. So like coat of arms. If you have enough squirrels starting off, then the squirrel that comes in is going to be bigger than the power of this scurry uh, and it's going to trigger putting another squirrel in, which by the way is pumped up from all the other squirrels with coat of arms and so it triggers mm-hmm. evolve again and so you just get in this big chain. By the way, all of these chains uh don't just draw the game because it says you may create a 1/1 green squirrel creature token. So a lot of these would have drawn the game and it's just like up oh, scurry oak yeah, isn't even in, even right. even there but you can stop at any time as soon as you make this infinitely large squirrel army you're just like okay I'll stop now 32 yeah. whatever you're going to stop at 32 billion 32 billion yeah 70 yeah. trillion okay good that's a good one arbitrarily large number um also gave decks attracts uh, any decks that like plus one plus one counters scurry oak seems like a very fun thing to put your ozolith things on or whatever just dump counters onto it you're gonna get some value off it but Move obviously counter every turn yeah yeah obviously this is better in those cathars crusade type decks they're going wide you have a reason to use the tokens and you have a way to constantly sort of take use of adding more on uncommon too yeah uncommon right? i love that all right next up we have sylvan anthem green green for an enchantment green creatures you control get plus one plus one whenever a green creature enters the battlefield under your control scry one okay so green creatures you control get plus one plus one again we've been talking about squirrels all episodes so this is a lord for all of your green creatures obviously much better in a mono green deck than a non mono green deck i you know i think for green green that's actually a pretty cheap universal enchantment for you but it's specifically green creatures yeah it is it is pretty cheap we usually see anthems a little bit more expensive but here's the thing we've we've seen this effect in white uh crusade it was banned in 2020 but it is white white to give plus one plus one to all white creatures um not played yeah you know so i don't see how this could theoretically play just because it's color shifted unless it's that scry do you think that scry changes anything i like the scry a bit especially if you're pumping out squirrels every single turn because then you're scrying multiple times and maybe you have some cards that like that top deck manipulation of it so i think that scry is the only thing that i'm really like wow that that could be nice yeah, I've, I've actually liked that on Lifecrafter's Bestiary, which mm-hmm. also has a scry component onto it. Obviously, it lets you draw cards. I think drawing cards is better than plus one, plus one. But I think that the scry does matter because we have so many cards in green that like that top deck manipulation, like uh, Oracle of Moldiac. Ah, yes. Fix. You want to have lands on top so you can play them. Very nice. Yeah, like uh, Vizier of the Menagerie, Vivian, Monster's Advocate. Playing creatures on top as well, yeah. Moving those around, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see this doing very well in a mono green deck. Again, a lot of the green cards we talked about are better in mono green than other ones, but I, I like it. I like it a bit. But it's not amazing, and I think you just have to have a critical mass of green creatures to get the scry ability out of it, too. Yeah. Okay, next up, we got Timeless Witness. This is two green green for a 2-1 creature human shaman. When Timeless Witness enters the battlefield, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Sounds like Eternal Witness. But this one's timeless because it also has the ability Eternalize on it. Ooh. So basically, if this is in the graveyard, you pay five green green, you exile the card, and you create a copy of it. But that copy is also a 4-4 black zombie with no mana cost, and you can only do it as a sorcery. So you get to bring another card from your graveyard back to your hand, but this time as a seven mana cost, and the creature that comes in as a four-four. 
So I've I've uh, long said that Eternal Witness is is a fine card, but honestly, you need to use the body. You mm-hmm. need to flicker it. You need to reanimate it. You need to a two one needs to be relevant in terms of the creature type in order for you to actually gain a lot of value. Otherwise, yeah. just play regrowth. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever you get something that's more and more expensive, the the tutoring ability of it, the the value that you get back becomes less impressive. Timeless Witness costs four. That might be on the edge of playability when it comes to it. Like we talked about the power of Demonic Tutor versus uh, yeah, Diabolic. Diabolic Tutor. Right, right, right. Uh, two mana becomes insanely powerful and mm-hmm. four mana is like, oh, it just doesn't, doesn't do what I want fast enough. I'm wondering if Timeless Witness might be one of those examples of it doesn't do what I want fast enough. Yeah, four mana and three mana, there is a difference there. The fact that you can bring this back, but that's seven mana, I don't think you're typically going to be doing that very much because, I mean, how much is it going to leave you at the end of the game? Like another four or five mana to play with? That's a lot. Yeah, so I, think I, you, I think that that's a little bit of a trap. I think you properly yeah. identified that. You, it's good to have it. You need to be able to flicker this or use this a bunch, and you just like the Eternal Witness ability so much that you want to have it again in something else. Yeah, I think the good comparison is Green Warden of Marasa. By the way, is a mythic that's only been printed once. Right. Uh, it's a six mana uh, Eternal Witness. Get something mm-hmm. back from your graveyard. It's a dollar eighty. 7,000 decks. Oh, okay. So a once printed mythic. It's not, people are not going out of their way to get this card, the, to get this card and play it a bunch. And I think it's because even though it's got a powerful body and a powerful effect of returning something back, it's just six mana doesn't give you the play pattern you're looking for when you're returning stuff from your graveyard. And now that there's seven mana Eternal X and the Timeless Witness, this might just be a very good card for limited and a little bit worse for commander. Again, if you're able to, you want the regrowth effect and you're able to flicker this, I can see that being much, much better. Uh, totally. Especially because it's an uncommon. Like this is going to be yeah. way cheaper than Eternal Witness, even though they've done a good job of printing Eternal Witness into the ground. All right. Next up is Tireless Provisioner. Two in the green for a 3-2 Elf Scout with Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control create a food token or a treasure token so this is nice (laughs) tireless tracker is the easiest comparison that's a creature that creates uh, clue tokens when lands enter the battlefield and then when you sacrifice them you get a plus plus one plus one counter on the tireless tracker tireless tracker twelve dollars seventeen thousand decks a very good card staple in our format yeah um this is actually because it doesn't generate um, the clues, card advantage, uh, but it does generate treasure. This feels like it could be a close comparison to Lotus Cobra. Yeah, except in this case, the treasures stick around. You don't need to use the mana immediately. And we've seen just how many cards now like having a lot of tokens on the battlefield. Absolutely. We've seen that just having things on the battlefield, permanence is really good. And treasures are great. They play great. I love being able to save them up over a couple turns and then be able to double spell or to play yeah. something, play something else really relevant or use that mana to get something bigger, a bigger effect. It's quite good. Yeah, and lots of landfall things to do in EDH. Tons of ways to get fetch lands and all sorts of things. So you could be pumping out tons. Or right, a fetch land with tireless provisioner is two extra mana that turn. Oh my gosh, Guillaume loves having food around. Corvold uh, loves Corvold. having treasure around. Um, I think that this is a, this is. I mean, it's kind of a silly card. Honestly, it's very good. It's insanely good. It's uh, a new staple in our format. I'm glad yeah. it's at uncommon, but also I'm a little bit like. Oh, man, this is really good. Well, maybe, you know, like, you're very rarely making food tokens, I think. You're that's mostly treasure. just making treasures, and that's, they're pretty darn good, and this is, a again, like, this is a card that ramps you out. I wish this was red, almost, but... Oh, yeah, I know, right? This could have been... I'm sorry, Jimmy. It's okay, it's fine. It's okay. It's, maybe they'll make a tireless provisioner for red next time. 
Just and the Modern Horizons the, 3. <laughs> Fingers crossed. A rabid provisioner. Or yeah. Something red, red <laughs> yeah, related. A passionate provisioner. Passionate provisioner. Yeah, Love it. All right. Next up, we have Verdant Command. One in a green for an instant. This is a command in green. Wow. Very cool. You get to choose two. Target player creates two tapped 1 1 green squirrel creature tokens. Already raised the alarm with squirrels. Every squirrel deck will play that. That's great. Yep. Let's find out the other options. Uh, counter target loyal loyalty ability of a planeswalker. Okay. That sounds narrow. narrow. Uh, okay. Exile target card from a graveyard. Ah, that's you're going to do that one quite a bit. Yeah. Um, only one card though. Um, target player gains three life. Okay. So two mana instant make two one, one green squirrel creature tokens is immediately playable in every squirrel deck. It's raised the alarm, but for squirrels. Yeah. And a lot of token decks might want it too, but that seems to be the main mode. That's the mode that actually gives you that value on the battlefield. Cause gaining three life, throw that away yeah uh life gain deck maybe who cares um, countering a loyalty ability of a planeswalker a uh, really corner case scenario oh man though if you can get an ultimate with this yeah i mean it just makes this totally worth it verdant command against an ultimate might be one of the worst oh field bets gosh, ever so and then they have two little squirrels that hit you next time next uh, turn too oh my gosh you counter, <laughs> the, you counter the ultimate and then you kill, squirrels, it, you yeah. kill it with the squirrels or you exile some cards from the graveyard too just oh one gosh. card it's just so, one card though i think that if this uh took out a whole graveyard i would be way more inclined to play it Right now, I think I'm only playing it in squirrel decks. Yeah, maybe a token generator deck. And again, if you have a lot of planeswalkers in your meta and you you find that Verdant Command would be really good, then yeah, go for it. Otherwise, it seems like you'll most likely be exiling a problematic card from the graveyard as well as making two one ones. But that even by itself isn't the worst. You are just not going to be gaining three life though. That's definitely not going to be happening. Yeah. Often. All right, uh, green. What are we thinking about green so far? Green looks better. It's interesting because Tireless Provisioner and Sanctum Weaver are the two standouts. And Ooh. there were, I think Tireless Provisioner is just by far the going to be the most played card of green out of this set, I think. Totally agree. Based on everything that. else I've seen Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Uh, I think that Abundant Harvest is not something you should overlook. Um, For sure. I like definitely, that too. That's definitely a good, a good card. All right. Um, we have just a couple extra cards. Uh, we talked about most of the multicolored cards in the previous episode, uh, but we just wanted to mention a few. The first one is Ignoble Hierarch. Uh-huh. This is a green card. It costs just a single green uh, but you can only play it in gen decks because it is a zero one goblin shaman it has exalted which means that whenever a creature you control attacks alone that creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn and you can tap it to add a black a red or a green yep so ignoble hierarch is a shallow obviously to noble hierarch which is in bant colors maybe we'll be seeing this for all of these three cover color shards whatever they are wedges uh either way this looks like potentially a new pattern for the future Noble Hierarch also has Exalted, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is probably, this is going to be very good, I think, in Modern, especially for the Jun decks. Very good in Modern. It's just okay in Commander. So do not go out of your way, I would say, to get this card if you're in those colors. Plenty of other cards can tap for, you know, those colors. And you can just also just put the Landmore Elves in your deck and be pretty happy with that, too, if you just want a one-drop mana, mana tapper. It's also really narrow because this is a multi... It's all green, but it's also a multicolored card if in terms of commander identity. Right, it's a You need card. to have red and black and green together. And by the way, I think you need to want a mana dork, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times we want more robust forms of mana generation. We want lands on the battlefield. Sometimes we want artifacts. Uh, and you have green. Like, you're playing a green card card so in many cases a far seek might be way better than this so i think that you're right uh, modern is going to love it and many people in commander just can be priced out of it actually kind of similar to noble hierarch right yep 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 like, uh, we've always known it's a pretty good card but like you have to have a specific deck to play bant mm -hmm. and you have to want a mana dork yeah and even then like it's it's just just 
get another mana dork, right? You're in green and you have ramp, or there's tons of different ways to get up there. Ignoble Hierarch might be cute for uh, a goblin deck in those colors. I but do have a I do have a Jund Goblin deck, and so I'm super oh, excited. Nice. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, don't <laughs> don't stress out about this. Just run any number of other really cheap ways to get lands out or or mana dorks out. In green. For sure. Okay, next up we have Goblin and Narcomancer. It's red and a green for a 2-2 Goblin Shaman. And it says each spell you cast that's red or green costs one less to cast. So this is like the Goblin red and blue one, right? The Yeah, Goblin Electromancer. Electromancer. Or Brawl or something like that. But yeah. those are only, for instance, sorceries. This is just any red spell or any green spell, which is pretty cool. I would play this over the Ignoble Hierarch in my deck because it's going to potentially get you, you know, it can net you three free mana in turn if you cast three different spells mm -hmm. with the reduction. I like these cards quite a bit. Um, you need to be, you need to cast multiple spells a turn to have it be better than uh, any other forms of ramp. Um, this is not, this doesn't require a lot of analysis. It's just like a interesting, a little thing that actually like some people aren't paying attention to because um, it's not a rare or a mythic or anything like that. It's just like a, a player that could go really well in some of your decks. If you want to cast lots of spells per turn Yeah, and it, it's in gruel. So it's in the gruel. Episode. If you're in the gruel deck, like you're playing a Zendigo deck with big beaters, a goblin and Archimancer is it. You'll be very happy having this in your deck just as a two drop and one that's going to potentially net you a lot of free mana over the course of a game. All right. Uh, next, we have a land, and we've included in this episode because it uh, belongs in green decks. It's Yavamaya Cradle of Growth. Yeah, this one's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's a legendary land, and it just says... Each land is a forest in addition to its other land types. So this is following a big pattern we've seen in Modern Horizons 1 and now 2, which is taking staple cards from Magic and then making sure that they're represented in every color. Uh, so Yavamai Cradle of Growth is basically Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth, but in this case, it's forests. This card is good. Uh, it will be I've good for put, a long time. I've put Urborg in so many decks, even mono black decks. Like even it's, it's great fixing. This comes into play untapped. It's it's it taps immediately for green because it is a forest itself. Mm -hmm. And it just means that in multicolored decks, you fix for green across all of your lands. And that's like the base level. Yeah. Like there's a ton of other things you can do when you turn everything into a forest. Like Arbor Elf becomes way better because you can untap your guy's cradle. Oh, guy's cradle becomes untap a forest your too. Nikthos. Oh my goodness. Yeah, for sure. Knight of the Reliquary is all about getting lands out. Nissa, who shakes the world, makes our forest tap for double. Mm. Yeah, so Yavama Cradle of Growth, again, this affects everyone at the table. So you're also turning, right, you can turn the fetch land into a land that just taps for land, so you don't have to use it anymore. Or if you have an ancient tomb and you don't want to lose the two life, you can use the Yavama Cradle of Growth or the Urborg to just tap it for a different color instead. Turning thing, everything into forest means that you can utilize forest walk better. Aha! <laughs> So you have Eladomri, Lord of Leaves, Elvis Champion. That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. Probably a bit of a corner case. It but. is a little bit of a corner case, but honestly, it just provides great fixing and and some cute interactions as well. And it, you know, green is such a uh, a base color for so many decks. Let's say you're playing a five color deck, but green is your base color. Yavamal Cradle Growth looks great because you can play this early. And let's say you don't have, you need more green cards in the beginning of your game. Then Yavamal is going to get you there the entire way through, and still have those lands be worthwhile later on. Also with this on the, this just around and floating around in the world, like it, it'll help you fix just across. Cause remember it's symmetrical. It works for everyone. Yeah, and someone so else might be like, I love how you. people are like, Oh, here's, I have a Yogmoth, you know, tomb of Yogmoth or whatever. Or Urborg, yeah, yeah. Like oh, I have an Urborg and everyone's like, that plays black is like, Sweet. Yeah, sweet. Thank goodness. <laughs> this is another thing that's just like, oh, Ball coppers, woo. Yeah. I know, right? Anything in that world. It's so great. Okay. So those are the red. Little extras. Little extras, extras we got there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about 
what card we are most excited to put in Commander decks today. Uh, there's a lot of interesting ones here. What do you think, DJ? Uh, I am excited about Sanctum Weaver. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put Tireless Provisioner in a deck too, but like Sanctum Weaver is built for Enchantress. I have a, um, a Naya Enchantress deck. Oh, nice. And so this is something I'm so excited about because it's just like, oh, auto include uh powerful mana dork perfect inclusion yeah uh, definitely one of the cards that i'll be looking to get from this set as well uh i'm gonna be, try and put cheddar spitter in a deck i have been thinking about building a squirrel deck for a while but i also just have a token deck that i've loved for a long time maybe there's a world where i just sort of turn that deck into a a, a squirrel based deck and cheddar spitter is going to be an awesome awesome card in that deck for me i feel i feel a little bit bad that i didn't mention a glimpse of tomorrow maybe i should put that in i'll put that in the deck too <laughs> sure <laughs> but All i don't right. think that I think that some of those are on the edge of powerful, like maybe like Sanctum Weaver is on the edge yeah. of powerful. But like if we're talking about the most powerful cards in this in this episode right now, what are you thinking about? Tireless Provisioner. I'm thinking about Tireless Provisioner uh, yeah. too. Yeah, and it's the uncommon, which is crazy, but that is just how it goes sometimes. Again, this is a landfall card that is going to trigger so many times if you play it. Um, if people don't remove it, you're going to be getting treasures. Your fetch lands are going to be giving you treasures. Your ramp spells, your 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 cultivates, your far seeks are going to be gaining you treasures off of this Tireless Provisioner. You're going to be able to play a six <laughs> mana, seven mana spell the turn after you play this it's card. It's going to be crazy. Like you know how often Lotus Cobra, you're like, ah, I'm just going to let that mana go to waste. Oh my just goodness, like, yeah. You're not doing like the play patterns on this is so strong. You're going to you're going to realize that you are curving out better, hitting bigger drops later. It's great. And you will maybe you'll use those tokens for something, too. You could sack it to Chitter Spitter. Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah. Tireless Provisioner, I think, by far is going to be a new commander staple. And you also wrote down Yavamaya, a cr- Cradle of Girl, Yeah, it's just going to go in a lot of deck decks for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that is actually going to wrap it up. That's it for Modern Horizons 2 in the 99. Wow. Three episodes, probably around, what, like four to five hours of content. A lot of talking for me and DJ. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? There's so many cards that are super strong in this. Like we usually like talk about the one or two cards that we're interested in at the end of a set review at the yeah. last episode. But like we had a lot to say at the end of each one of these sections. Like there's there's a lot of good cards in here. And Modern Horizons has always provided us with a lot of depth to it. And I'm super impressed by the commons and uncommons that are in yeah. here that are very, very playable. I have a feeling this is going to just enter into so many different commander decks. I'm actually really excited for more comments and uncommons being these set reviews because Modern Horizons 1 had so many just heavy hitters across the board mm-hmm. in every single area that it felt like the commons and uncommons, we, we missed out a little bit there. So it's nice to see it happening here. And um, by the way, some of those heavy hitters were reprinted in this as yeah. old border frame cards. Oh yeah. You know, cool. I did a, I did an episode on those. So Jumbo Commander YouTube channel, if Make you want to sure see those reprints. Out. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and DJs. There's lots of good content coming your way. Finally, to the listeners. What red, green, slash ignoble hierarch cards are you going to be putting into your decks? We want to know. Let us know in the comments. Let us know if we missed any interactions sure. or if you loved the interaction that we did or you think that we're completely wrong or right about something. I mean, hey, I'm not stopping you from commenting, but maybe your conscience is. But post something nice, too, while you're at it. You know what? Just say something if it's you want to. a lot of complicated Don't do anything Jimmy. if you don't want to, either. <laughs> ah! Okay. Um, thanks, everyone, for watching. Of course, if you want to get these cards, go to cardking.com slash command zone. It's simpler than what I just said about commenting. You can just buy the card. You're you're on the website. Everything you need is just, right it there. Comes to you. Yeah, it just literally just yeah. comes right to your door. You don't have to go type anything online except for cardkingcom slash commandum. Uh, Ultra Pro as well. You can buy Ultra Pro products there. I've been buying a lot of their new Mythic Edition binders uh, oh. because I just like that they zip up. They're really nice to the touch and they store my cards really well. And I was talking to the prof and he said they're really good. You do not want floppy binders that like sag and bend if they're standing yeah. up and down in your bookshelf. So you need like nice 
uh, stern binders. And, and I'm not gonna lie, the fact that they zip up is huge because I have a lot of dust. I have animals in my house, and you don't want hairs and stuff getting in there. So that's just the nice part about it. Um, okay, no end step today because we have so many cards to review that we're just burnt out. Um, so let's go into the cleanup step. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose out for the soccer, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nam, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, Guarov Galadi, and Dan Sheehan. Keeps going up and up and up. And now Jumbo Commander as well, DJ himself. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. He does the living card animations that start our show on youtube.com slash command zone podcast, as well as sometimes live behind us here on set. You can find him at Living Cards MTG. Woo-wee. Great episodes, Jimmy. Excited you, to do some more. Excited to do some more too. And we will see you all next time. So make sure you subscribe. Bye-bye, Goodbye. everyone. Goodbye. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>